Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Tuesday, June 14th, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked on Orioles podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, well, we're going to start with uh, what was a tough Orioles loss to watch on Monday night, falling 11-1 to in Toronto against the Blue Jays. We'll get you the five things you need to know from that one. But we will talk about a more positive side of that game, and that's Kyle Stowers made his major league debut for the Orioles, got a hit, got an RBI as well. We'll talk about his performance, along with Rico Garcia, who made his Orioles debut. And then we'll talk about why those two guys were with the O's in Toronto, because the O's had to leave behind two unvaccinated players. But we'll get to all that and more coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So let's get right into it here on today's episode. And well, we'll start with the bad stuff. I guess it wasn't all bad, but at the end of the day, the Orioles lose 11 to 1 to the Toronto Blue Jays on Monday night in the first of a four game series north of the border. And with the loss, the Orioles, one of the tougher losses of the year, they fall to 26 and 36 on the season. And I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from this Orioles loss. And the first thing you need to know is that, well, struggles continued for Kyle Bradish in this one. And once again, you know, the walks weren't a big issue. He only gave up one, but just the command is not where you want it at the big league level. Bradish's final line against Toronto, four and a third innings. He allows five runs on nine hits, strikes out three and walks one. No home run balls against him, but it took him 90 pitches to get just 13 outs and raised his ERA to 6.86 on the season. Six hard hit balls against Bradish. Now, to be fair to him, he left with one out in the fifth. It was just a 2 nothing game. Logan Gillespie came, or excuse me, he left. It was a 3 nothing game. Logan Gillespie came in and you know allowed the two runners to score. Logan Gillespie didn't really get anybody out, as we'll talk about in a bit. But at the end of the day, for Bradish, you, know, you can see why he was a top 10 Orioles prospect. You can see why they built that Dylan Bundy trade around him. And obviously, when you watch that start in St. Louis, when he went seven innings and struck out 11 and didn't walk anybody, you can see why he can be so good. But he also has had some starts like this and more of them lately, which has been a little concerning. I mean, he only got five whiffs on 37 swings in this one, two on the fastball, two on the slider, one on the changeup. And, you know, he was mostly fastballs, 50 out of 90 pitches were fastballs, 20 sliders, 12 changes and eight curveballs on the night but just wasn't really able to drop anything but his fastball in for a strike. Fastball was better in terms of getting called strikes, but he wasn't getting swings and misses. And none of his other three pitches, none of his secondaries, he was able to really drop in the zone for a strike. It allowed him to fall behind hitters. And when you're facing a lineup as good as Toronto's, even when you have some some you know pretty nasty stuff, which is what Bradish has, if you fall behind hitters, it's going to eventually hurt you. And, you know, he tightroped along there, gave up a run in the first, got out of a jam, got a big double play, zero in the second, gave up a run in the third, got out of a jam, double play in the fourth inning, put up a zero there, and then you know, you know allowed the base runners in the fifth and, and left the game. But I still love Kyle Bradish. I think he's going to be a good starting pitcher for the Orioles down the line. 
I don't think they're going to send him back to AAA, especially without Means and without Grayson Rodriguez. But it's possible because, remember, Spencer Watkins is kind of ready to go again down in AAA after the arm injury. He could theoretically come up and replace Bradish just for a couple of starts. I could maybe see the Orioles doing it. I wouldn't advise them to do it. I think they should let Bradish figure it out at the major league level now that he's here. But it's just a little concerning. The stuff is still electric, but he just cannot command it at times and just doesn't get ahead of hitters. Can put him away when he gets ahead, just does not get ahead often enough. And that reared its ugly head once again on Monday night. Second thing you need to know is that, well, the bullpen came in and was not much better than Kyle Bradish, especially Logan Gillespie, who had by far his worst outing of his big league career. Entered the game in the fifth inning, first reliever out of the bullpen. It was already 3-0 Toronto with two on, runners on first and second, and one out in the bottom of the fifth, and uh, it did not go well. He actually retired the first battery faced Alejandro Kirk on a flyout. Gillespie then proceeded to allow five consecutive hits and left that game with the fifth inning still not being over. Only recorded one out, allowing four runs on five hits. No Ks, no walks, just 17 pitches. And he just got smacked around by, you know, Hernan, really the, the bottom part of the Blue Jays' order. The, the final five guys in their order, Hernandez, Espinal, Gurriel, Tapia, and Biggio, each got consecutive hits off of Gillespie in that fifth inning. And he'll bounce back. You know, he's had a really good year. But, uh... You know, he came in with a pretty minuscule ERA. It was under one. This outing jumped his ERA to 4.35 on the season. So this one going to hurt the rookie a little bit. But again, he's a rookie. And you're going to have a couple of outings like this. And then Austin Voth came in. He gave up a run over an inning and a third. He did a nice job to kind of settle things down, but still gave up three hits. And, and you know, he, he, uh, he wasn't very good either. But the third thing you do need to know is that Rico Garcia made his Orioles debut, and he was not too shabby on the mound. Now, if you don't know much about Rico Garcia, we actually talked about it in an off-season episode when the Orioles signed him to a minor league deal, but a 28-year-old righty who had actually gotten the big leagues uh, with the San Francisco Giants in his career back in 2020, but uh, you know had some arm injuries, was coming off Tommy John this year, and the Orioles signed him as he was still rehabbing from Tommy John. He was a 30th rounder of the Rockies back in 2016. And Garcia had been pretty pretty solid in the minors so far with the Orioles this year, mostly on rehab. You know, he, he pitched one outing at Aberdeen, four at Bowie, and five at Norfolk. And combined in 18 and two-thirds innings, he had a 1.93 ERA, 29 strikeouts to just seven walks in that time. And the O said, let's do it. Let's bring him up. And he gave the Orioles what they needed on Monday night. You know, he pitched the final two innings of this game, the seventh and the eighth, two runs, or, or excuse me, two innings, two hits, one run, a strikeout, no walks. The only run he allowed was a leadoff solo home run to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in the eighth inning. But Vladdy homers off of everybody. It's just kind of a rite of passage uh, when you're pitching in the AL East. And he did give up four hard hit balls, and it wasn't the most dominant two innings. But he got the Orioles six outs in a blowout game. The stuff we saw, it was a four-seamer. That was, you know, averaging 93, although it was really interesting. I think StatCast had a tough time kind of picking up his four-seamer because he was really sitting around 95 most of the night and maxed out at 97. So that's where his fastball really was at. But he threw 26 pitches and, you know, a good chunk of them, 20 of them are fastballs. So he tossed in a couple of sliders at 84, a couple of change-ups at 87. But, uh, yeah, we'll see uh, We'll see if Rico Garcia sticks. It was nice to get a, a first look at him 
in an Orioles uniform. Fourth thing you need to know in this one is that, uh, well, the Oriole offense did not do much really at all, but there's at least a couple of guys to shout out. Jorge Mateo had the only two-hit day for the O's, two for four, two singles, also two strikeouts. Uh, Adley Rutschman had another day where he hit two balls hard, went one for four with a single, uh, but had two hard-hit balls. Ryan Mountcastle had a one for four with two hard-hit balls as well. So some guys did some things for the Orioles. But at the end of the day, one run on five hits, not going to cut it, especially against the Toronto team that had 11 runs on 19 hits in the game. But the fifth and final thing you need to know from this one is that the one and only run driven in in this game was by Kyle Stowers, who made his major league debut for the Orioles, starting left field, hitting eighth, and his RBI double in the seventh inning got the O's on the board and uh, scored Adley Rutschman and gave Stowers his first major league hit. And with that, he now has more major league RBIs than Adley Rutschman does. Stowers at one and Adley at nothing. But very cool to see Stowers come up and make his big league debut. And coming up next, we're going to talk a little bit more about Stowers' debut, what we saw uh, in his first time in an Oriole uniform, what his minor league career has been like so far, and you know what his future looks like with the O's because it's kind of an interesting scenario in why he is in the big leagues. But first, this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto. So why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? rockauto.com's prices reliably low for every single customer, and they've literally got everything you could need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet for your car. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And write Locked on Orioles in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So the Orioles fall 11-1. to to the Blue Jays on Monday night in game one of what could be a rough four-game series north of the border if it continues like that. But I would say the obvious number one big shining positive out of the Orioles' loss is that Kyle Stowers made his Major League debut. And not only that, but he got his first Major League hit and first Major League RBI on Monday night in Toronto as well. Of course, kind of the background on Kyle Stowers, if you're not as familiar with the left-handed hitter, been a top 10 Orioles prospect pretty much most of the time he's been in the system after the O's took him 71st overall in the competitive balance round back in the 2019 draft. Uh, Adley Rutschman was the first player they took. Gunnar Henderson was second. And then Kyle Stowers was the third player the Orioles selected in 2019 as they drafted him out of Stanford. 24 years old, turned 24 uh, back in January, a native of California who throws and hits from the left side. Uh, can play left field and right field, maybe a little center in a pinch, but he's more of a corner outfielder. Started in left field on Monday night for the O's. But in his career, you know, he, he went to Aberdeen in 2019 after being drafted coming out of Stanford. And he had a little bit of struggles at short season, you know, over 200 at-bats there. And hitches 216 with a 289 on base, only six homers. But really picked things up 
in 2021. Started the year at high A Aberdeen, was hitting well, went to Bowie, and in 66 games in Bowie, he had a 938 OPS with 17 home runs on the season. Now, the strikeout numbers were very large, but the home run numbers were large as well. And he made it to AAA by the end of 2021, actually played in 22 games in AAA for the Tides at the end of the year. And hit 272, hit three more homers, and had 27 home runs to lead the Orioles' system in 2021. Was named the O's Co-Minor League Player of the Year in 2021, along with Adley Rutschman. So that kind of shot him up the prospect rankings if he wasn't there already. And started the year once again at AAA Norfolk and just continuing to hit for power. 49 games at AAA Norfolk this year in 209 plate appearances has a 253 average with a 356 on base and a 545 slugging percentage, 12 home runs and 16 doubles for Stowers and really the big number for him, 53 strikeouts in 49 games is still not great. But when you compare it to 171 Ks in 124 games last year, he's cut down the strikeout rate a little bit, which has honestly been huge for him. It was his number one goal coming into this season. He was able to cut it down just enough. And with the home runs as well, was rewarded with a call-up to the big leagues. Now, we know why he got called up. Anthony Santander not able to travel to Toronto, placed on the restricted list because he's unvaccinated. We'll get to that a little bit later. But Stowers gets his shot. But many have talked about this. You know, it's a really weird way to get your Major League debut for a prospect ranked that high. You know, last year, Tyler Nevin had kind of an odd Major League debut with the Orioles. Now, Nevin was not a top 10 prospect, but he was a top 20 prospect in the Orioles system. And, you know, they had traded for him from the Rockies. But, you know, re remember at the end of, of last May, the Orioles had Trey Mancini and Ryan Mountcastle both dealing with some injury issues. And they just needed somebody to come up and play first. So kind of in a pinch, they called up Tyler Nevin. And he, and he, he played in two games in Chicago at the end of May against the White Sox. And then was sent right back down to AAA and we didn't see Nevin again until late last September when he came up again to you know spend the final couple of weeks of the season with the Orioles. And now we've seen Nevin in the bigs for a good chunk of this season with the O's. But that was a weird way for Nevin to come up. But he's not the kind of prospect that Stowers was. It's not usually the way you call up you know, your co-minor league player of the year from last year and a top 10 prospect. But it's what happened. O's needed an outfielder. And when you kind of look at the team, you know, Usniel Diaz on the I.L., Robert Newstrom not on the 40-man and, and definitely not hitting as well as Stowers. So when you're looking at outfielders, Stowers was just kind of the, the easy, obvious choice to come up and fill this role for at least this week. But that kind of brings us to the really interesting part of this is that, you know, how long will Stowers be here? You know, I mean, listen, good first day in the big leagues. As I mentioned, gets the start in left field, hitting eighth in the Oriole order. Now, he looked a little overmatched against Alec Manoa in his first A-B, struck out swinging on three pitches, but he was able to battle a little bit in his second A-D, work the count to three and two and flied out to left field. And then in his third at-bat against Julian Merriweather, with Adley Rutschman on first, just laced a ball into left center field all the way to the wall for an RBI double for his first career hit, got the Orioles on the board as well, always be a moment that Stowers will remember. And then he came back up in the ninth inning, and Matt Gage, who I had never heard of but closed out the game for the Blue Jays, uh, hit Stowers with a pitch. He was fine, and he got on base twice in his Major League debut. So you like what you saw there. And he didn't really have a chance to 
show anything off defensively in left field on Monday night. There was a couple of plays he made, a couple of you know singles and hits that he fielded, but nothing really stood out defensively that I saw. But I liked what I saw from the lefty at the plate. But at the end of the day, you know, we know Stowers will be with the Orioles for all four games this week. I'm assuming he'll start probably three of the four. Most likely see Ryan McKenna get a start in one of these four games. And then the question becomes, what happens then? Because the Orioles will come back home this weekend to face Tampa. And Anthony Santander will be activated off the restricted list. And he'll be added back to the active roster. And you're probably not going to keep Stowers as your fourth outfield type. You'd probably rather him get those at-bats in AAA and keep McKenna as your fourth outfielder. So Stowers most likely gets sent right back down to AAA Norfolk. And the question becomes once again, you know, is Stowers blocked? And will a guy like Santander need to be traded for Stowers to get a real shot at the big leagues in 2022? And the answer to that question is still probably yes. But this week gives them an interesting chance with Stowers. Now, granted, we didn't really know that Santander wasn't going to Toronto until Monday. We kind of had an educated guess. We didn't know. But the Orioles as an organization certainly knew all season that they'd be going to Toronto without Anthony Santander each time they went to play the Blue Jays on the road this year. So maybe this was already in the works as long as Stowers was playing well at AAA, which he was. They were going to get him you know, his first taste, get his feet wet for four games here in this June series. But it makes you wonder, you know, even if he can't come back up for good or stay up for good, does he continue coming up for the, you know, three away Toronto series? Definitely an an interesting question. Does he stay maybe? I mean, there's a possibility. We've seen the Orioles option McKenna multiple times. Could they do it again? I just don't think it makes sense to have Stowers as the fourth outfielder, he can't really DH because you have Mancini, you have Mountcastle, you're DHing Rutschman every couple of days to you know give him a break from catching but keep him in the lineup. You just can't really get Stowers enough at bats to keep him on the roster when you get back home on Friday. So unless he hits five homers in the next three games, Stowers is going back to AAA on Friday. And the question kind of becomes, when does he come back again? And I don't really know the answer to that. And maybe the answer is when Santander... If he is, when he's traded. Or maybe the answer is the next time the Orioles go to Toronto if Anthony Santander doesn't get vaccinated between then and now. I mean, it's a really interesting question. I mean, the O's don't go back to Toronto till August 15th through the 17th. So theoretically, you know, that's past the trade deadline. Santander could be dealt by then and Stowers could be up, you know, starting in right field every day starting on August 1st. But if Santander is still here, maybe we see him again. Again, that series, August 15th through the 17th. Then you see him again September 16th through the 18th, which is the last time the Orioles travel to Toronto. It's just a really interesting situation. Obviously, if there's a trade or an injury to an outfielder, it'll make it much easier. But he's certainly blocked a little bit. So this is going to be a huge four games for Kyle Stowers. And uh, we'll see if he can make the most of it and put some pressure on Mike Elias and the Orioles to... Give him a a bigger shot at the big leagues this year. But as we've talked about a little bit, you know, the reason why Kyle Stowers was in the big leagues on Monday night, made his debut, because unfortunately Anthony Santander is not vaccinated and neither is Keegan Aiken. And we'll get to that a little bit in a bit, the moves the Orioles made and just a little bit of disappointment in those two guys 
as uh, they're not able to travel to Toronto, not just this week, but all 10 games the Orioles play at the Rogers Center this season. But first, let's talk about BlueNile.com. Because whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, you can find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Blue Nile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity of that perfect ring, as well as the setting style. And Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then handcraft her perfect engagement ring. And each ring is one of a kind. And if you have questions, you have concerns, Blue Nile has experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift or that memorable ring for that special moment at any budget. That's the important part, too. So make your moments sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On Orioles listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. And this podcast exclusive includes engagement. Just use the code LOCKEDON. That's code LOCKEDON. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. So shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. So the Orioles fall to the Blue Jays 11-1 on Monday night. But we did get to see Kyle Stowers and Rico Garcia in an Orioles uniform for the first time. Stowers making his Major League debut. Garcia making his Orioles debut. He had been in the bigs a bit with the Rockies and the Giants in 2019 and 2020 before getting Tommy John surgery and then the O's signing him to a minor league deal this offseason. But, you know, the question of why were Garcia and Stowers activated to the roster on Monday? Well... It's simple. The O's had two unvaccinated players who, per rules of Canada and Ontario and Toronto, were not able to travel to the Rogers Center to play the Blue Jays this week. And we've seen it with every team that's gone to Toronto this year. Every time a team travels to Toronto for a series, you see that team place one or more players on the restricted list, which is how you know those players are unvaccinated. And, you know, we made some guesses about who it could be for the Orioles. And I think we were kind of spot on. And, and on the one hand, I will say it was at least encouraging that it was only two players. And a lot of us kind of figured it would be Keegan Aiken and Anthony Santander, which is who it ended up being. And it was at least a little bit nice to know that the other 24 players on the active roster are vaccinated. That was just those two. So you activate, you know, Garcia and Stowers to, to come help out the team because you need a pitcher and you need an outfielder. And again, you know, we knew last year, we didn't know, but you did some reasoning and you kind of found out that Aiken and Santander weren't vaccinated because they both had situations with close contacts with COVID last year where I can't remember what the exact rules were, but there was a certain amount of time you spent on the COVID IL with a close contact if you did not test positive, where you could kind of figure out because they spent this certain amount of time on that restricted list while they were not testing positive, that's kind of what's like the indicator of which guys were unvaccinated. And I believe we got that indicator for both Aiken and Santander at some point during the 2021 season. And again, they had a whole nother year, so you would have kind of hoped, hey, at this point, knowing that they can't travel if they're unvaccinated, maybe they got the shot. You know, we remember Aaron Judge of the Yankees was not vaccinated. And then he got the shot shortly before the Yankees were set to go to Toronto for their first series against the Blue Jays at the Rogers Center this year. Because even if it's incredibly stupid to not be vaccinated at this point, at least that rule got Judge to realize that 
This is really important for my team. You know, we have to play in Toronto 10 times this year. We're trying to win a division against our, you know, biggest rival in winning that division in the Blue Jays. I'm the best player on the Yankees and a top three player in baseball right now. Maybe I should be on the field for my team and he gets vaccinated. Apparently, Keegan Aiken and Anthony Santander did not feel that way. And it's just disappointing. And I talked about it on yesterday's episode, not just that, you know, for your own health and safety, for public health and safety, you should be vaccinated. It's disappointing because specifically the Orioles clubhouse. You have Trey Mancini, who went through cancer treatments throughout 2020, immunocompromised. You have Cedric Mullins, who revealed this offseason he's been dealing with Crohn's disease, immunocompromised. You have Jorge Lopez's son, who's dealt with a myriad of health issues throughout his life, spent a lot of time in hospitals, able to finally travel to see the Orioles play and see his dad, Jorge, pitch over the last couple of weeks. Obviously, he's immunocompromised. And you're still, as Aiken and Santander, in the clubhouse, unvaccinated. It's disappointing. It's it's At this point, you know, it's, it's obviously frustrating that people still have not gotten the vaccine. It's It's just disappointing for those guys as well. And listen, they're facing at least some repercussions now. You know, they can't go to Toronto this week. And if they stay unvaccinated, they can't go to Toronto for the other six games and the two other series where the O's go to Rogers Center, uh, you know, later, as I said, one in August and one in September this year. And, you know, maybe it's not as much of a big deal because the O's are at best a 70-win team this year. They're not stiffing the playoffs, so you're not affecting your team in a pennant race by not being with them for these four big games. But... I don't know if this rule for Toronto and Canada is going to change anytime soon. The Orioles could be more competitive, closer to a playoff team next year. Wouldn't you want to at least get the shot for the betterment of your team and your teammates? Apparently not. But just disappointing, and and that's why. So, you know, good for Rico Garcia, good for Kyle Stowers to to you know take this opportunity and run with it. And each of them definitely had positive moments in their O's debuts on Monday night, and hopefully those positive moments continue. Uh, but just disappointing for Aiken and for Anthony Santander. But that'll do it for today's episode. We'll be back with you here tomorrow, recapping game two of the Orioles and the Blue Jays, five things you need to know. Continuing to look at Kyle Stowers as well, expecting him back in the lineup on Tuesday night and get you all the Orioles news and analysis that you need right here on the pod. But again, I'll be back with you tomorrow. Until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.